Discover new mind and body hacks to thrive as a human today. The Institute for Aliveness is here to teach you all the things you never learned in school. From talking poop, sex, childhood trauma, emotional intelligence, psychedelics, and of course, fasting and food. This is a podcast that changes lives. Join your host, Dr. Andrea Page, as she travels seven continents to find the most captivating, impactful humans for you. And um, I don't really like to do a lot of formality, but I thought um, I thought maybe we could do like a little check-in and maybe be like, you can tell me your name. I know your name, but you can speak your name. Kind of like, how are you feeling at the moment? And maybe like... Um, like something, yeah, just something about what you do in the world. Can I go backwards? Yeah, absolutely. Something about what I do in the world is um, I hold a higher standard for our species in how we interact with ourselves first, with each other second, with the earth, with uh, our work, our purpose, and my desire is to have um, a new acceptable norm that is enhanced beyond what it currently is today. Many would argue that humanity is devolving in many ways, and uh, that could very well be true. And um, my hope is to kind of provide the upper metrics for standards for humans are meant to show up. Yeah. that plays out in individuals it plays out in every relationship i have it plays out in my own self-growth trajectory it plays out in the institute for aliveness and uh, the people that i'm training to work with other people in the future and it plays out in this overarching mission that people like yourself and anyone who's on a similar trajectory are aligned with and uh, yeah so how i'm feeling in this moment is um, benchmarked. Do you know how when you are doing anything and then you get to a benchmark and you're like, oh yes, okay, that was a beautiful check-in. That means that I've gotten somewhere. It's like an indicator of having gotten somewhere. Um, and of course that's the riddle of spirituality is once we think we've, right, the minute we think we've gotten somewhere, it's, it's you're back at it's, it's square one, um, Ram Dass. Mm -hmm. And I, however, I think in intimacy and interpersonal relating, so when you extend the spiritual growth beyond the individual into co-evolution, um, that there's a massive opportunity for benchmarks. It's like, we do this so much better than we used to. <laughs> and yeah. that, that sentiment of celebration is something that's um, very much alive in me right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in one of my favorite cities in the world. I'm in Amsterdam. So that's glorious. And even through the rain, right, there is light. And um, your first question was my name. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Andrea Andy. And um, yeah. Benchmark. I love that. I've never heard that expressed as a feeling before, but I totally get it. Like totally makes sense. I've, I've had that experience before. I've had that feeling before. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to check in too. And I'm going to do it backwards as well. So I'm like totally in resonance with your desire for holding 
not even a desire I'm hearing for you. It's like, it is what you do, holding a higher standard for humanity. Um, I would say on my side, it's, it's still more in the desire part. I'm stepping into the embodiment of like, okay, this is actually what I'm a stand for increasingly. Um, and I do that through really wanting to cultivate like my deepest inquiries into collective consciousness spaces. And I've been facilitating that for 10 years and I've gone to some really bizarre spaces and I want to go into that mystery way more. It's like I've opened the portal and I've stepped into these places and gone, what is this space? And I want to go in there more. However, it's not something you can go into alone. It's, it requires a collective. It's an intersubjective space. You know, it's not a, it's not a in subjective meditational space. It's an intersubjective space. So it requires other. Um, so that's what really particularly fascinates me. And how I'm feeling is worked. I feel like I've been through the ringer, like literally I'm wrung out. I feel a bit dry, like I need some lubrication. Um, yeah. I'm already feeling looser speaking to you, which feels really nice. I'm like, and I, I actually was like, I really don't feel like having a call. But every time I was like, maybe I should cancel. I was just, my body was just like, no, no, no. I was like, Okay, I'm probably going to be enlivened by this, and it's probably exactly what what's going to be. In there. Expectations there. <laughs> <laughs> just there's a little bit. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's expectations, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, my name is Damien. So, welcome to yet another fucking podcast. <laughs> Fuck. Um, you can totally swear as much as you want you can talk about whatever you want yeah yeah there's no there's no limits here you can go wherever you want you can provoke and poke and trigger and all of those things they're all welcome um yeah and what is the collective intention for the listenership and or you i my desire in running in doing this is i just want to have conversations that enliven me i want to have conversations that stretch my mind my imagination my vision my creativity into new territories that i hadn't explored before and my desire is that the person i'm speaking to has a similar experience that we're going into territory together this kind of collective um but it's more of in a meta field you know we're exploring a meta field of wisdom together and the desire for the listen listenership is that hopefully somehow the listener's mind is stretched somehow also to new possibilities and that in that stretching we have new possibilities for creating new benchmarks to come back to what you were sharing yeah yeah okay love um i love the minefield i love conversations that are reaching new territory um and i'm all for it yeah mm -hmm. I want to, I want to actually ask, like, what is the benchmark you're at today? Mm. If you want to share. Yeah. In critical. <laughs> in which, in which area of life? Exactly. Well, what, I mean, are you feeling benchmark across multiple areas? It's like, like, mm. what is that? What is that benchmark you're in right now? Yeah. The one I was referencing before was actually, um, honesty with family. Right. So mm. I mentioned to 
I hosted my brother to teach uh, a live class for my students at the Institute for Aliveness. And um, there was like just jaw dropping appreciation afterwards of um, our intimacy with each other and the way that we hold space for and with one another and really our relationship. And yeah. I think that was like, like I want to show my mom. It's that kind of like pride that comes with an absence of arrogance. It's just like a, a dharmic fulfillment. Um, and that, that was the specific benchmark that I was referring to. And it sounds like that's something that's been earned. Like you've, you've worked towards that. So it's not, it, that's why there's a benchmark. Like I've actually worked at this and here it is is the fruits of it yeah yeah mm -hmm. totally yeah and i can think of that in in many areas of my life as well i had a um super incredibly superficial <laughs> but also at the same time like crazy experience of um having something on my vision board and then it shows up like pretty much just like that except for better and i'm not one to vision board like i think it's important to have visions and i think i was born with massive ones and the act of like cutting things out from a magazine and putting it on i mean mine's on pinterest so it's a little more convenient but uh that that whereas it gives you like guidance and steering of where to go i think that's much more applicable to someone who's living a mundane life that they're not crazy about working a job for someone else in a city that they don't really love or whatever it might be and that's just not my life like my life is a living vision board you know it's it's very changing and so the idea of like cementing my desires down is not something that um i've ever really lent myself to however i did it um, a few months ago or even less and you know there's there's something that's exactly that but even like better and so that manifestation I mean all of this like you know you can get the spiritual bypassers out their ears and nose and butthole um, who will come in here and about that stuff but to actually have the embodied experience of it is, is quite um, tremendous yeah <laughs> Still with me, Damien? Have I lost you? Everyone, Damien, Damien's cell phone cut it, ran out. <laughs> Are you there? Technical difficulties. You're enjoying the music as we waited. <laughs> <laughs> it's still recording. Um, I don't know what happened. My internet just completely cut off for a moment. So you were speaking about um, a vision board and an experience coming to life. 
Yes. And I was just saying that, whereas this isn't something that I've learned much or any energy to in the past, um, that having the embodied experience of it is like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Mm, Like it actually works. Um, I'm not going to go that far. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think that there it's more than like it works, like using vision boarding or manifestation as a utility. It's more uh, that I was able to play with the universe and the universe was playing back, you know? So it's like one-sided, two-sided game. (laughs) Totally. Like that. I love that frame on it, playing with the universe and the universe playing back. Um, Have I gone into difficulties again um yeah i get that as well that's been my experience lately that a lot of things that i've asked for even things that i didn't i don't necessarily want it's like i was telling you before it's like i've i've invoked like i want to work this thing out and i've invoked and it's gone the universe has gone oh yeah you want to play this game all right here we go and it's just gone giving me all the things to like look at it it's like I didn't mean it that way, seriously. Um, but then there are all the, also other instances in my life, you know, like I live in Byron Bay and I've often said like, I really wish there was rock climbing here. Mm. And then I was staying with a friend on a big bit of property up in the hills out the back of Mullumbimby. And one day we went for a walk when it was raining because he's got waterfalls on his property. And we walked up the top and there's a cliff there that I was like, oh my God, we could like, this is like rock climbable. And so I have another friend who's a buddy of mine and we're like, we went up there and we've started like preparing to develop it into our own private crack. So it's like personal rock climbing. Yeah. It's, it's a long, it's a long-term project, but th- that kind of thing of like, Oh, like actually the universe does will play with us when we're, when we're willing to play. Yeah. That's something that I've been um, sitting with. I don't like that phrase. I wanted to say, but I'm not sure. I've been present with uh, this week is um, living the simultaneous currents of duality and non-duality, living with a full awareness and understanding of non-duality in a world of duality. And when we talk Mm. about dialectic of manifestation and really the architecture of co-creation with the universe, we come in to embrace things like dharma or flow state and also um, surrender and the ability to show up unwavering, resilient, regardless of the circumstance. That's the exhibition of emotional intelligence. And when we interface with life um, from that place or from that perspective, then we open our eyes to seeing the non-duality in the duality. Yeah, so people or situations come into our life looking like distinct separate beings and we can have a choice to sit in our human ego bound self and act or react to them as they are with face value but when we have this rooting deep rooting in non-duality and I mean I'm a student of Vedanta it's obvious that like we then get to play with life you know someone shows up and like uh, this this is an example I gave to my students I was in (laughs) I was in London last week and um I was in a 
bar late night, which I don't normally do, but there were two friends and uh, this was the night before I was leaving. And, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. I'm going to spend more time with these amazing people. And so we went to it. That was me justifying why I was in a bar. We, we went to a tequila bar at like 1 to 1 a.m. or something. And I go to the bathroom and um, I walk out of the bathroom without washing my hands because I do not engage in chemical soap, right? If anything, I pee on my hands, urine is one of the best disinfectants. And I'm a naturopathic doctor to, to qualify for anyone who's like, who the fuck is this woman? Um, and so I didn't <laughs> touch anything. And so I just, I walked out of the stall. Like I have no intention of using their chemical soap to um, impair my micro microbiome. And so I walk out and I'm like halfway up the stairs, walking back upstairs and I hear behind me, I kid you not, you dirty skank. And I was like, whoa, that just happened. And so I turned and I, I actually, I think the first time I ignored it because I was like, I'm just going to let that pass. And then she comes out of the bathroom and <laughs> proceeds to like berate me about how I didn't wash my hands and, and like throws in there, especially in the age of pandemic and like is, is very, very angry. And so I'm just like, wow, as this is happening, I'm like, is it actually happening? First of all, like I don't, I don't put myself in situations where I'm exposed to this kind of belligerence. Um, so, so it was definitely a culture shock for me on many levels, but as it's happening, I'm fully aware of processing the non-dual aspect of it, of like this woman is a messenger, right? Either here to exhibit the effect of a mother's trauma on her daughter or here to tell me a message of like, this is how society is going to react in the time of antibacterial and pandemic usage, um, antibacterial during a pandemic and whatnot. Um, and the story that we tell ourselves, and the fear that is the virus and all of it, like that being exploded at me, I knew had a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose. So whether that was to share with my students or to share with you here today, but my process with it was like, okay, that's real. Like, how do we sit in peace in a world of disturbance? And how do we do it in a way where no one's right or wrong or good or bad like bless her i mean what ended up happening was i think my defenses came up at one point where i was like okay would you like me to go wash my hands because i was just like what will make this stop um and that's like that's the example of my defenses coming up right and then i was like no that's not the answer like that's kind of self-betrayal and so then finally i was like i love you I said that to her and, you know, that was like, that was enough for her. So she like turned around and stomped off. And I was just like, like definitely cortisol, adrenaline running in the system because it was yeah. <laughs> quite cool. Um, and then I went upstairs and was immediately, like I told my friends, I was like, so this just happened. Like, what was that about? You know? So, so I received from the, you can think of, uh, like a Qigong Tai Chi expert master. I mean, you practice martial arts. So it's all about receiving right the blow and using it to um, kind of catapult more, not necessarily back at them, but just into the universe. And uh, it was a really interesting emotional, <laughs> emotional martial arts yeah. warfare that I found myself in the other week and, and things like that of like the benchmarks of it's, it's only when you're in a time of 
crisis, for want of a better word, that you are um, tested and shown how your relationship with yourself is. And, um, and also to accept that fully rather than reject that, that experience, um, but to accept it fully as something meaningful in my life and with purpose yeah. to, to offer yeah. me something. So it's always about listening more deeply and more acutely to the whispers of the universe into our ears. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I really want to comment on that. And I'm still getting Wi-Fi issues. Can you pause <laughs> with me for one moment? I really like want to get back to that. So give me a moment to that. So I'm hearing, so this experience happens, this woman is belligerent on you and you have both this kind of like human response. that's like, flooded with stress hormones and everything which is pretty normal response to occur and then there's this non-dual perspective of like what is the meaning in this and like what i'm hearing is like sometimes it's really easy to be with the meaning of something that's meaningful and it's beautiful but it's like how do i be with the meaning of whatever is arising even in the intensity of it even in the the um the unpleasantness of it or the the kind of the attack of it. Uh, and I find myself like, I'm just sitting with that and just being like, it leads to like an increased state of meaning in life. Like this sense of li like life is meaningful when I'm coming from that perspective. And that's kind of like, I think what I'm hearing you speak to, it's like from this non-dual perspective, it's, it's all meaningful. Yeah, and the more that we can listen or the, the greater range of frequencies at which our ears can hear, right, the more mm. we open up to listening rather than having opinions um, mm. or in terms of value judgments and what's right or wrong or good or bad, then we're that much more of a versatile player in the tennis game of life with the universe. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I, so I imagine this ties into this set of standards, this, this sense of like raising the bar on the way we live as humans. And it sounds like this is, this is at least the subjective bar, like raising how I am as a human in life, how, how I, I, how I operate individually, how I can start to um, function as a more kind of elegant human being by being more responsive, being more open to, to life, even in the intensity of it, even when I'm outside of the conditions that I would not optimally, that would, that would facilitate my optimal experience. Cause something else I hear from you in that is that like you choose environments that facilitate your optimal functioning as a human being. Um, AKA I avoid bars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit deeper than that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and the other thing that I, I appreciate your use of the word subjective there, um, to understand that this is my journey, this is my process, this is my own self-growth, and yet, because I'm doing it professionally, because I am um, a leader of our generation in terms of this up-leveling, it is that, that quality of um, actually making it objective, right? And, like, it's still subjective, but also making higher standards objective. And so the Institute for Aliveness Foundation works to um, 
redistribute health amongst systems. And so this is massive systemic change um, in small country governments, royal family nations. And a really simple example that I love to give that we came up with is having health days rather than sick days, incentivizing health, making a societal norm or standard around either excellence or um, resilience or whatever you want to term it, but just like better rather than having it be socially acceptable that you're sick. That's a very benign kind of example that tends to frame it well. Well, What if we did that for emotional intelligence at large? Emotional intelligence. First, I just wanted to like, again, so the, so you're talking about the subjective into the objective, you're basically documenting. So, so you're going through your own process of understanding what it's like to up level and documenting that process in a way that is then um, there's a repeatability to it, you know, and that's, that's something that I know. No, no definitely not what I'm doing. Thank you. Like I was, I was with my resistance to what you were saying until yeah. I was like, wait, that's not it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's not about imprinting. I mean, the entire world, like I sent you that article on collaboration versus yes. personal brand. Yeah. The entire world is saying, this is my system, do my system, follow my steps. That's not what I'm saying at all. Sure. I'm going to apply that. So we look at epigenetics as a cell culture affecting cells' ability to grow and thrive and survive, right? Mm. So what I'm talking about with the foundation's work is, is taking the cell culture and changing it. So it's a social norm that people interact with one another as emotionally intelligent beings. Emotional intelligence is not my field. I mean, it's what I professionally consult on, but like anything, Daniel Goleman coined the term spiritual teachers for generations have been urging us to get more present and aware in that space of non-duality as we're in a dualistic situation. Like there's nothing about it. That's mine. I'm sure. just the like, cool. I want this to go across most of all humanity. <laughs> yeah. Stop. yeah. 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 Totally. I, I mean, I don't think I was, was talking about a personal brand there, but I get what you're saying. Um, Talk a little bit more about the like the epigen- epigenetic piece in there, like that that comment that you made just then. Yeah, I mean, epigenetics was a field that was invented by Bruce Lipton, one of my life mentors and professional mentors, um, back in the '60s, as he was in the laboratory looking at the fact that it's not the DNA imprint of the cell that's going to determine to determine its fate. It's actually the cell culture in which the cell is stored, and we have. I mean, this is where the collective field work really comes from like if you i'll send you lectures from bruce lipton where he shows machines that like these little tiktokers they're like metronomes right and then you take one off and you'll see within a period of time there will be a resonant coherence until they get back in tune with one another and so um what i'm talking about is raising the standard or the pace or however you want to think about it of our species so that we hold ourselves to more. Yeah, we are the only beings that have been gifted the prefrontal cortex, as I think I was telling you about the other day, right? And it's, it's both a liberation and a responsibility. The fact that we can think about times other than the present moment, the fact that we can metacognate, think about our thinking, the fact that we can thus process, and that our emotions they're not instantaneous, but they also result in trauma, or they also result in, um, you know, um, overwhelming love. And so to, to like, 
kind of shine light on all of these aspects of what it what it is to me human is a huge part of what um i think my my work is in this world my dharma and uh, I, I interact with it in several ways, whether it is through using technology at the interface of technology and physiology, or whether it is um, in practice as a naturopathic doctor with applied epigenetics, looking at someone's lifestyle and their lifestyle design. Mm. You know, it, you can read every book under the sun. You can go to as many Reiki practitioners and take all the right herbs and do this or that. But at the end of the day, if you're not pooping once per meal per day, if you're not hydrated, if you haven't integrated trauma which we all had if you're not mindful about what you're putting in your body both in your ears and media the people you surround yourself with and your diet on the plate like then you know it's like you're not living a life that's inquired and what i want for humanity is to use that ability for self-reflection that we've been given from our prefrontal cortex to actually inquire <laughs> mm -hmm. like you've been given this magical tool mm -hmm. and you're not using it what's the point of having that um, in this age of great um, tumultuous change upon this thing that we perceive as earth um, our species is at that testing point we are at judgment day you know i mean it was only last year that there was a harvard study that came out that said eight years is all we have if we continue ceteris paribus all things remaining equal in terms of the pollution and the earth's ability to kind of shake us off yeah. um, and then it went down years, right? And, and like 2020 is the most potent year of anyone alive today's lifetime, astrologically, in terms of the conjunctions. We haven't seen this kind of planetary activity in 12,000 years. Mm. And so to step back and say, fuck, who am I? And what the fuck am I doing here? Takes mm. mm. yeah. great courage to self-reflect. Yeah. Um, and it's a doorway to a life more full than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. So it's like one of the things that I hear you saying there is it's like, so we've, we've, we've got to a point where we know all of this stuff, like to some degree, we've like, we, we know what provides optimal living to some degree. Of course we can expand those markers, you know, you know, it's, this is probably way beyond what we've already conceived so far. Like what is optimal is, is, is beyond that. But we at least know some degree of high optimal functioning and, and what facilitates that. And yet we're not adequately doing it. And so the question is like, why are we not doing it? And how do we get on that train? How do we get into that quick? Because literally like not just as a kind of blase statement, literally our species survival on the planet depends on it. Like we can easily not be here as a species. Like, and, and that's a reality that I think a lot of us don't necessarily confront that fully. Like I have a background in environmental science. So um, 15 years ago, I was studying this stuff at university, at university level going, holy shit. Like, the planet is like I've spent the last 10 years waiting for like things to go crazy. Like I've been like, it's going to be like, it's going to go crazy now. Like surely it's going to catch up now. Like I've known for that long that we're in crisis, you know, and it's only like 15 years later now it's starting and it's not even at a, at a, at a level like we're hysterical around this virus, but actually it's not, that's like the least of our concerns. Well, it's a pretty big concern, but it's not the biggest concern that we have. 
Um, and so what I hear you saying there is like, what do we do? And, and we know what to do and why aren't we doing it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a, a big part of this work is embodiment yeah. to take the knowing from here to here and here. Right. And when it's there, you can't ignore it. When you've had an embodied experience about what it means to steward the planet or what it means to have true intimacy, right? you can't unlearn, you can't unexperience. And so I think part of it, like you're, you're asking kind of an existential question, which I'm not going to even pretend to front that I have the answer for. Um, yet applied epigenetics can teach us so much. And I mean, if you look at Bruce Lipton, the founder of the fields, evolution and his own trajectory in life like he's now a spiritual teacher for want of anything else he's teaching about the biology of belief psychosomatics about the honeymoon effect right which is in many ways the um, dissonance of thinking monogamy is the only way to relate he's talking about uh, fields right of coherence and fields of um, creation and how when we change the field we change who shows up in it and so my only answer is to work top down and bottom up to look at the societal level, right? And create cultures that um, will yield healthy individuals. And I, when I say healthy, it would almost be synonymous with embodied, right? So healthy in relation to how we live on the planet, tread lightly or um, just be mindful of, of, of our treading, um, healthy with ourselves, our relationship with ourselves, healthy with our relationship to others, healthy with relationship to everything that we touch and interact with. Mindfulness is a huge part of that health. Um, and then also working from the individual level. And I mean, I'm what you would call a spiritual intellectual. And so using the mind as a gateway to eternity, using intellectual understanding um, as a stepping stone and the rite of passage that is a spiritual experience. Yeah, I love that. Um, I would probably, I'd never heard that term before, but I would say that's where I fit as well. Um, that, 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 you know, there is not a problem with being too heady. Like, it's like, it's like, can I ground the mind through the rest of my experience? Um, not, not cut it off. Like, no, no. Why would I get rid of this gift? But then what I'm hearing is like, so, so we take this, the, the gift of our wisdom and the gift of our intellect. And how do I bring that through my heart and my belly? How do I bring that into my experience? How do I allow that to influence my reality and the field of what I'm creating and what's around me and what my environment is so that again, so that then I use that to influence my, experience and then my experience positively reinforces that on the way back up yeah and so we're back to where we started which was that whole idea of vision boarding and manifestation mm. <laughs> like yeah when you're aligned when mm. you invest the experience and then like that's what happens and mm. yeah i have a desire to when you said bring it into my from my head into my belly um i people who know me in, in terms of my lecturing know that I won't ever go esoteric because there's a massive kind of gray area there where, where you lose people and they're, they're just not really embodied with their experience of it. Mm. Um, and so I have a desire, if I may, to mm. uh, take people into their body to just like, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Mm. Uh, um, so you can keep your eyes open. You can close them. It'll be more powerful for you if you close them because you'll be more, 
able to look inward and uh, you can relax the jaw, make sure there's space between the back teeth. And then allow your belly to relax and next inhale, feel the belly button distance from the spine. Relax the forehead, relax the pelvic floor for men. You can relax your testicles and then pull them up and see the difference. Pelvic floor engagement and not, and for women the same. Just without the testicles at the junction between the cervix and the uterus. And then allow the weight of the bones of your body to fully rest into the chair. Notice anywhere that you're holding or tensing. If you're walking, try to allow your walk to be that much smoother and lanky even as it were. Kind of let yourself go wherever you are. Allow the elbows to be heavy pulling down on the shoulders. Allow the chin to come incrementally closer to the front of the neck. Create height in the back of the head, but not in an efforting sense. And then as you breathe continuously with the belly expanding away from the spine, create a smile behind the eyes. You know, as if you were smiling, but only through your eyes. Be present with your breath. Relaxed space between the back teeth. Notice any energy and motion running through the system, any emotion, any anxiety, any unsettlement. Come back to just allowing your bones to be there. Surrender your bones to gravity. Allow your exhales to be a little longer as if, ah, yeah, that which you've been through today. Yeah, surrender that too. You don't have to hold it anymore. There's nothing to do in this space. Nothing to be. There's no one you need to impress. There's nothing you need to fear. Perhaps imagine, feel a palm, a hand on the back of your body, upper or lower back, you choose. Kind of lean into that hand. Through that smile behind your eyes, remember that you are here for something that only you have the cue card to know how to do in this lifetime. And that a lot of your journey will be to find out what that is. And allow a sense of excitement on that mystery known as the human experience. Gain recognition and reflection over your current state of being, how you feel right here, right now. Notice how it's different than a minute, two minutes ago. Allow that smile to come back behind the eyes. Yeah, you're fucking amazing. And then when you're ready, slowly allow your eyes to open soft gaze at the floor in front of you. And gently walk yourself back into this space.
I'd love to be able to hear from the audience. <laughs> we need an audience of one <laughs> right now. Huh? But we haven't gotten to that point in time yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we haven't gotten to that point where there's an audience just yet. Mm. Um, I feel calmer. I feel more settled in my experience. I feel, um, I feel more inspired to like take care of myself to like, to recognize that I know, I know how to take care of myself. And then like, I really do, but then to apply it. And, and then I find myself really curious in you about that decision, like how that arises in your experience and where it arose from the desire to like be um, rigorous with your standards yourself and your experience yeah um i think it's something i've always known um i mean the easy answer for me would be to slough it off the rising <laughs> and uh, use my astrological placement of knowing that, um, I mean, Leo is the king archetype. It's royalty, right? It is the concept of the best. And the rising position in shamanic astrology is our dharma. It is what we are meant to do, what we will do regardless of anything else. And so um, I have a recognition that that is the path that I walk is, is, um, you know, you wouldn't find royalty showing up in rags. It's like that quality of there are standards for a reason and it's part of the archetypical journey. Mm. Um, and the beautiful part for me is that astrology has taught me compassion. You know, not everyone has Leo in their chart. That was um, my next question. Yeah. To be a best, there needs to be a less than best. It's hierarchical. But when someone with Libra hears that, right, they freak out and they're all just like, no, we're all just equal. Why do you think you're better than anyone? And mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, within the concept of standards, you've interwoven duality. And mm -hmm. uh, this theme for me for the week was actually kicked off by someone who's been um, a significant role in my life for the past four years. Um, and at times has been a teacher um, telling me that I mix realities, that it's too complicated, that I, I live non-duality dualistically <laughs> or however you want to uh, say it. And kind of, and I was fully with like softening in to listen to that as a truth and like experiment that like I'm always in for widening the horizons and being challenged. And so, you know, I'm sitting with that. I'm softening into that. I'm allowing that, like I'm feeling the tightness in my sacrum and um, like consciously breathing into that space to try to adapt that. And then like, you know, going into a process of like second guessing and questioning my entire institute of the filter, which I'm teaching these people through how to like 
dance in duality with the understanding or with the soundtrack of non-duality and and i'm like okay wow like is that is that a mistake would it be easier to just do what he's saying which is go the the not the non-dualistic path of like all is love you are god soften to your experience of love mm. like wait a minute no I mean, that's what all spiritual teachers do, which is beautiful in its own right and works in certain environments, especially when you have the collective force field of the Sangha or the community. And yet what we're doing at the Institute for Aliveness is like fully taking on another, um, another bite off of possibility for humanity where it's like, no, let's actually acknowledge where we are, which is fully traumatized as a species, you know, living in um individualistic society when we're meant to be collectivist beings mm. or massive amounts of dogma overwhelming amounts of technology deep disconnection from nature like we are very far from how we are meant to be living or what is quote-unquote natural for us and so mm. that will only yield to trauma and mm. so acknowledge that that underlying discordance imbalance um honesty of where we are and to intellectually be able to like get our hands dirty in there and go from there towards evolution and towards mm. unity rather than just you know light polarizing to a space of non-duality i was like no it's okay it's what we're doing is okay but this the, the living in the paradox has been very thematic for me this week mm. Yeah, I love that the last word that you said was paradox because as I was listening, I was like the words that were playing through my head were like fierce compassion, you know, which is can seem par a paradoxical statement as well. But it's like that's what I hear is like, yes, we're traumatized, you know, and yes, like it's fucked up and we hurt and we like make mistakes and like get shit wrong and like fuck each other over and have terrible relationships and you know, and then emotionally binge eat and like do all of this stuff and we can do better at the same time. You know, it's like, it's like that acknowledgement of like, this is where we are. And let's also hold a stand of standard for better because no one's coming to save us, you know? And I want to um, not be avoidant and recognize that you asked me a very personal question and I made it yeah. very subjective. I made it very objective, <laughs> which I noticed a pattern of doing. Um, and so on that subjective level, um, yeah, it was, it was just always natural for me that there was like, whether it was even boys in school or whatever, there was a theme of like, not good enough. They're not good enough. And not in a way where they're bad, but just like, I have a high standard of not worth. Like I know what I want or how, I want someone to show up with me or how I want, I, I know what if I'm, I'm able to give. And so if there's a mismatch in that, then um, it will be, you know, a net negative, um, which could have its own lessons in its own right. Like there's no definitive right or wrong here. Um, mm -hmm. And then in terms of my relationship with myself, which is the only true relationship at the end of the day, um, and definitely the longest term one, uh, I will take responsibility. I mean, I, Fasting, long-term fasting is my um, expertise in, in the medical world. And I've, you know, over the past 15 years 
had a tremendous amount of learning in, in the realm of fasting. And um, the vein through which I communicate it to others is much more about responsibility. It's not about when you break your fast. I mean, you have such a desire to only eat the right foods and to maintain this perfection state that you're feeling because your body's reset back to like uber standards of health. And so I feel like part of it is like my familiarity with being super healthy because of my long-term fasting practice. And for anyone who's listening to this through a filter of fear, um, think green juice fasting, that'll put you at ease. Um, and so with that understanding, when I make a dietary decision or go to sleep really late or anything like that, I'm not hard on myself about it. I feel like being hard on yourself about it is probably part of the trajectory, but there's something beyond that, which is responsibility. It's like, yeah, and that's where applied epigenetics comes in. It's like, yes, I made these choices and I came up with this result and life becomes, um, I don't want to say more predictable in any way, but you have more agency in your life when you realize um, the effects of your decisions or your actions of mm. my or my actions. Mm. So it's like getting really, really closely coupled between decision and effect, like cause and effect, like choice and consequence. Um, yeah. And also knowing the environment and, and looking at that as the third. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also hear this kind of astrological tendency towards um, just wanting to be the best and having really high standards and kind of like living that, like discovering that this is your, you know, that last thing you said in the meditation was like, kind of, you know, your, I can't remember the words you use, but essentially I, I like to use the word essence, um, you know, kind of like, this is your essence, you know, this is your design. This is your expression into the earth of like who you're most meant to be, you know, and I hear that, you know, there is this sense that for you, this is, this is, this is what it is, the Dharma of, of, of creating a high standard, you know, and this is what you've actually put yourself into fully, you know, and I imagine there was probably, you know, a challenging growth through this standard with boys and everything that you mentioned in your, um, in your upbringing and kind of the repercussions and backlashes and all the kind of investigations that went on. No, no. All right. Just, just clear standards. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of avoidance that you say. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Easy. No, not good enough. I'm not going there. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Um, and yeah. So then, and there was a verb that you used there. Um, around the concept of the best, you use the verb wanting to be the best. And I don't identify with that. It's sure. not a desire. It's a dharma, right? Yeah. Which comes from a place of, of like spirit rather than ego. Mm. Uh, and this is the difference between Leo, Mars, or Venus versus a Leo rising is that it, it's like almost a... A responsibility it's like a um a need that's not subjective yeah there's there's an embodiment piece to it mm. like like there's an it's i hear when in the correction um or the adjustment of the word wanting it's not it's not something you're aspiring to it's actually just in the way in the way of being it's like an unavoidable it's, it's like um it's a fucking messy learning curve, you know? Sure. 
I'm the first one to tell you my flaws or whatever, like the ways that I don't do things best. Like yeah. I'm very upfront with that. You want to wash dishes, you want to do anything practical, do the laundry, whatever. Like I'm not your girl, <laughs> but on the level of um, transformation, emotional intelligence, showing up, evolution, like I'm there, I'm there with you, for you at a service that is not something I'm forcing, but something I've been brought here as part of something bigger offer yeah I, I love that like I just want to go into that for a moment perhaps it's like that's something that I've felt for a long time through my own um, kind of my own work and my own practice that I found through um, in a subjective practice you know we call it authentic relating although that's that's the word that's used I don't really love that term personally I use it um, because I feel like it's a lot that that can almost be like a little bit gamey or a little bit childish, but there's something actually very deep with um, the way we relate to others. There's a, there's a potential incredible amount of depth. And so what I discovered through that work is when I would start dropping into the space of really being with another and particularly using communication patterns that will draw out or bring out or provide space for like there's a few different patterns that we can use in our communication that, that allows the other person in our field to become more vivid or more vibrant um, through my my presence on them and what i discovered in that is as i would put my attention onto people they would become more vivid and they and there was i would start to see something that i could that i started to describe as their essence it's almost like this unique being of which there is only one in the entire everything you know in the entire history of the universe there is only this unique being one of this unique being and there is some kind of dharma that you've this is the word that you've used there is some kind of innate purpose or innate contribution or innate gift or innate sense of um necessity i sometimes i've been referring it to lately it's like there's a need to be something. It's not a want, it's not a desire. There's actually a need, like, the, like we need to be this thing. We need to express ourselves as this thing. Um, yeah. I kind of like, and then, and then it's like holding each other in the process of becoming that and holding us in a collective that becomes that, you know, and I hear that's, that's where like what, what most brings you alive and what's most brings me alive kind of starts to really meet, even though we have quite different fields and quite different backgrounds. It's like in that, what does a collective look like where we're actually starting to express our innate need to be who we are? Everyone living in their genius zone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, the work of, of what I hear you is like breaking down what are all the components that we need to get there in a kind of predictable way. There's, there is a predict about, predictability about it. There are, there are sets of conditions that are going to enable us to enter into our genius zone. And how do we foster and facilitate those conditions so that we can be there more together? Welcome, intelligence amplification. And that's exactly, exactly. it. Yeah. yeah. Can I go to the bathroom before we go there? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't really 
Sure. Play the music while you wait. <laughs> yeah. I'll pause it. Then. Okay, we're back now. <laughs> For people to understand your your Gemini journey and and hold space no but also how that reflects upon what was said prior in the conversation of of um because i'm sure you weren't the only one who's like oh she thinks she's her the best you know it's like that the, the thing that i love about astrology and specifically shamanic astrology is that everyone has a seat at the table mm-hmm. you know and we're all living different journeys and we all have different dharmas and we all have different cards that we're playing mm-hmm. like what fucking fun would it be if we all had the same mm. and to be able to step outside of ourselves and recognize that someone else has a totally different existence than us not only from where they come from their upbringing whatever their traumas etc but that what they are meant to do how they are meant to perceive the world how they're meant to communicate in the world and their work in the world is distinctly different than ours and it's like oh wow we just have so much more license for everyone and so much more love <laughs> yeah. yeah and like what you just said they have a different set of cards i mean it's not but it's not like we're playing a game of cards to win it's not like someone's going to have the best hand it's just that we yeah. all have different hands like and we're all playing a game we're all playing different games with different hands all at the same time you know um our journey is about how how learning to best use the hand that we've been dealt and ideally, how do I best use the hand that I've been dealt and work with other people's hands to make an even better hand? So mm. how do I use my best cards and combine them with your best cards? And now we can like play an even bigger game. You know, we've got even more cards on the table and we've got an even higher stakes kind of place to play in. Love it. I just wanted to like, because we, we jumped back in halfway through that conversation. So I want to presence like the tail end of that, you know, we were having a little interlude where we were kind of owning our astrological shadows. I think that was kind of what we were doing. We were speaking about our, our, our I was getting pointed out at um, some of my particular Gemini shadows, apparently where I tend to poke and prod at spaces to reveal kind of, um, you know, sometimes just to see what happens and sometimes cause like something feels a little bit off or dissonant and I want to like surface it, but definitely like there's this kind of pokey energy that I have in my field and anyone who has been following me for a while, you're no stranger to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was fun. It was fun to like kind of see that and own that and, and, and talk about that and dialogue that a little bit. And then, and then we we're kind of diving in of like, recognizing the subtle ways that it's even showed up a little bit in that in our conversation with that like what you just mentioned like the leo of being the best and then you're talking about the gemini of like oh you think you're the best and i was owning like there was a subtle wave that rippled through me of like wanting to like poke at that you know like how can i like actually kind of poke at that so it does something different or whatever um but then to actually notice that wash through and not not actually have to participate with that. So it's like um, these cards, these astrological cards, because we're in this particular archetypal realm, how we play them, it's like they have a light and dark side and you know all this gradients in between. It's like, how am I going to play it? Am I going to play the shadow version of my card or am I going to play the light version of my card? Yeah, and the self-awareness that that 
demands um, and essentially emotional intelligence is being able to have a spectrum over all of it, your cards and someone else's cards to be able to know the game really well, to understand how it's played, to be able to, on one sense, strategize in it, but then in another, be able to um, sit with whatever is and just show up in, I guess, the light side of all your cards. So that's, that's spiritual growth. That's emotional intelligence. That's whatever you want to call it. You just said in a short sentence, four things that like really interest me. And I'm like, I want to highlight all of them. I'm like, oh, all those four things are super important to me. So you said, let me try and get them back. You said to be aware of our own cards and someone else's cards. So this is to me like responsibility, self-responsibility and other responsibility aware of you and the impact that I have on you and the impact that you might have on me and the kind of interplay in and that recognizing that it's not just me in an, in a blank world, it's me in relationship with you and that actually being in relationship is the more I can be aware of who you are and how you play and who I am and how I play that we can be in a like more honest and elegant space together. And then the other two things you said was both strategize and be raw and honest. And they're two very, sorry? Know the game. And know the game. To know the game, so once we know the game, then we can both strategize and we can also play our cards in a really honest way. And they're both really valid. Like strategizing is not a negative thing. Strategizing can be an incredibly potent and valuable thing for creating transformation and change. How I strategize, how I play my cards, how I use this particular structure of me based on you know my configuration my design um to best effect to create a, a positive transformation in some way and then other times sometimes it may even be a strategy how i just play it openly open hand like this is me yeah i, I think it would be helpful to ground this in uh, story or experience um so if we use the I'm walking up the stairs in London late night and the girl calls me a dirty skank. Mm. Um, my Venus and Aries card is the war. I could have very easily recruited the, you're a fucking dirty skank or whatever. Like I could have fought back. No problem. Easy. Mm. Um, right, but my days of playing that shadow side of the card are definitely over. Mm. And um, once you fight, you've already lost. Right. Mm. And then, um, the understanding of the game itself like the universal context of um living non-duality in the duality of like oh wow there's actually something potent here that i'm meant to learn and there's a deeper symbolic reasoning for her showing up in my life right now mm. and i embrace that so that's understanding the game and then playing with the game is when I'm like, all right, well, let me try this approach of like, do you want me to go wash my hands right now? And then I'm like, wait, no, no, no. That'll make me lose all the rest of my cards or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, it's just like, I love you because that's your trump card. The <laughs> mm -hmm. trump card, playing the trump. And, and like what I hear in that is like the, the, the outcome. And so this is, this is something that I've been thinking of as applied ethics. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. if you know Forrest Landry. I've been kind of, I did a little bit of digging into the works of a guy called Forrest Landry who writes some like really dense stuff on ethics. And to me, the essence of applied ethics is moving towards win, win, win outcomes. So I win, you win, and the world wins. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So 
the only thing that matters. Yes. Yeah. And so, and so the ethical imperative is that that's what I'm operating from that. That is my standard. That is my core kind of truth or standard that I continually revert to. Um, and so what I'm hearing you say in that, like, how do I use the cards that I have? This is this particular array of cards. I have my design, my astrological design, my human design, my any, whatever typology system we're working with and understanding and playing with, but the makeup of me, how do I play this in a way that's going to move towards win, win, win? Yeah. And how do I also like the truth of it is that spiritual growth is often, yeah, learning how to play the light side of your card, but then fully lifting off your chart. You know, it's like, you can't guess Alma's chart. It's like, oh yeah, Alma has some Gemini and some, like, no, like she, she has evolved beyond dualistic archetype and she is love full stop yeah yeah that's when we like we move towards the the embrace of all the archetypes and then the transcendence of all of them you know, it's like you know i know from the enneagram bit of enneagram work as you become more and more integrated you actually start moving around the whole thing until you kind of embody all of them and then you're free of it you know you actually are none of the archetypes anymore you know, it's like, and this is the transpersonal and this is like truly transgender when I'm actually beyond masculine, feminine, not because I'm not man or woman, I've actually embodied the fullness of both masculine and feminine to actually go beyond it. You know, it's not that I'm there, but I have a conceptual understanding of it. Yeah. I'm still trying to get what it's like to be masculine. <laughs> the transgender is very much the non-binary approach is Gemini. So it's, it is your journey to learn, right? And it's not much. <laughs> yeah. it's really super 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 powerful mm. yeah <laughs> mm. wow yeah mm. where are you at now what's what's going on for you um i was i was in hawaii with the i think they're called moaz i probably got that horribly wrong and i apologize to all hawaiian heritage and those who are preservers of hawaiian heritage um, but there is an archetype in Hawaii, which is the transgender being that we're seeing a little bit like the wizards, like they were the knowers, they were the wise ones. And so there was this, um, orientation in society of, um, those who were the non-binary gender bending, whatever you want to call it, beings as, um, being revered. And I, I, I just like, I'm feeling into how it's very opposite today and how mainstream society, especially, more of a baby boomer kind of generation um, at large mainstream wise looks down on that is very confused and threatened by it, but that would put that to a subaltern level of society hegemonically so that um, it's not something that's celebrated and that engagement with the mystery is something that's denied um, and that further fuels the Gemini fire and the quest for freedom. Um, the circus goers you know the ones who are like fuck you i'm gonna do my own thing that is the gemini quest and so um i think like what's coming out of this as i'm saying it is that it's our environment that also shapes um it, it provides us the lessons that we need to do growth on our typical path and so if we look at the cell culture it's like yeah, sure, you can totally grow it anywhere. You don't need to go to optimal spaces or retreat centers or whatever to grow and to um, 
embrace and pay attention to the discordance and the the challenges that have been put forth in your environment and see each as an obstacle or a hurdle demanding you to jump higher training your muscles yeah yeah it has me like want to look at that for a little bit that journey because like i feel very much myself right now in like a very deep journey of that like i'm being called into a type of transformation that's probably been a long time coming and it's very uncomfortable and unpleasant um and yet like it's pounding at me and you know there's i'm reluctant i don't know what this is but i'm reluctant to go to try and like process it too in like in too intentional a way to like sit there and kind of like do certain tools or activities in order to do it it's like it's more this just sense of trust that like this thing is happening and like how can i like just let it buffet me and 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 each time as it kind of like it's almost like being in the ocean when it's really rough and I'm literally being hit by a wave and I'm like going under, under the water and getting a mouthful of water and kind of like tumbling around and I'm coming out, I'm like catching my breath and I'm like, Oh fuck, there's another wave coming. And then like it slams over me and I'm like trying to swim to the shore and just like getting exhausted by it. Um, and it's interesting because as, as, as a, as a young teenager, I used to love, playing in the ocean when it was like that like that was an exhilarating experience for me to go into the ocean when it was like a dishwasher and just be like I'm only 10 meters away from shore and it took me 20 minutes to swim back to shore like that kind of experience I loved it it was like super Mm. interesting for me but it's like that's what my experience is like and so I get fascinated by how this is growth like we know it's growth. We know that growing is happening, but there's some mysterious quality around what that is and why it's occurring. And, you know, the whole image of what growth is and what that's leading to. It's like this, like, I don't know what this is actually, you know, I don't know what's happening. Truly. I have like some, I could, some stories I could tell about it, but I just know that something is. Yeah. I mean, I'll quote Daniel G. Mario, my teacher, that there is no technique to surrender. Mm. You talk about wanting to reach for your practices, which is very common in the conscious scene. I mean, there's a lot of bypassing practices. Mm. I've been saying more today. If you talk about your meditation, you've missed the point. Mm. You know, you're like, I sit and meditate every day for one hour. And it's like, okay, what are you trying to show me, brother? Mm. Like, um, and we're, we're actually, we're coming up with a line of t-shirts um, to make people think. And um, there was one that came up, I should have written it down when it came up when you were talking, and it might be now, but it was about, um, oh, it was, you were meant to feel the pain. Not you were meant to feel pain or whatever, but you were meant to actually feel the pain. That's why the pain is there. And, so we feel it if we keep avoiding it right then it'll go away and that's not an easy concept like i can tell you sad pain whatever it is i'm like oh but like i'm a happy person and i'm quite happy being happy and <laughs> you know it's like um like, this is something that we use in the fasting practice when it comes up it comes up to come out yeah i've been i've been telling people lately that, like my spirit my current spiritual practice is i lie in bed for two hours in the morning and sulk you know that's <laughs> 
and it's not, I'm not joking. It's literally what I do. I wake up and I'm like, Oh God. And I just lie there and just be like, ow, ow, it hurts. And then eventually I drag myself out of bed and get on with my day. Um, and I like, you know, and I tell like, part of me goes, you should go sit on your, like I've got a beautiful meditation cushion over there and it's like really like nice meditation space. And I just look at it and go, no, <laughs> we'll go downstairs and make a coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I, I feel mean, like, huh? there's a quality of honesty that we have to be with ourselves whenever on a journey and a teacher can never help you be more honest or a teacher can never force feed you honesty. It's something that only you can teach yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And the reason that I don't like go and sit on the meditation cushion, because literally those two hours that I'm lying in bed or an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it is, feels like work. Like I get up and I'm like, Oh God, that was intense. You know, like I've just been sitting, you know, in something, I don't know what it is and I don't care, but it's something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. My, my inquiry as a practitioner would be to like, what is actually shifting? What is moving? What is changing? Is there anything or is it uh, a consistent you're sitting in something? Do you have benchmarks? Mm. Yeah. 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 I would say yes. I, I don't know what the benchmarks are. Probably good to have some, um, but there are, there are shifting. I, I noticed like, like I think I was saying to this before, it's like, it's like that wave hits I'm like, and I tumble and I'm like under the water and everything. And I get up and I take a breath and then part of me goes, I'm going to try catch the next wave. <laughs> Masochistic psycho. I know. Like, and part of me is like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, no, 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 no. The next one's going to be a good one. I'm like, Jesus. Um, but that's just what feels alive. No, it's not pleasant, but it's feel, it feels alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's aliveness is um, that's the archetype of Scorpio, and so that's the role that I have amongst the Leo rising tribe. So amongst the conversation of the best or impact, right? I'm meant to bring back aliveness, hence mm. the Institute for Aliveness, right? Mm. Yeah. Because we have gotten numb, right? We've started sleeping as a species. There's a complacency. There's a monotony to being human today, especially in a far late stage capitalistic world. And um, that essence of aliveness that uh, is communicated through direct play with universal forces like waves in the ocean or wind on the sea or you know mountains to climb or whatever it is like that is what provides a certain surrogate of aliveness but what if we could take the same practice and extract it from the ocean and see everything in life as your wave as your tumble as your what you are doing yeah the complacency like I really felt that like I had to take a big breath when you said that like a sense of complacency like even even in the sense of um oh, I feel my desire to like poke again now I'm like oh maybe I should tone that down not you just to like poke in general it's like um I'm just wondering whether I should like bring that bring that inquiry into into the public space <laughs> you're considering that the main dialectic that I had with this person who's like, you're complicating things by having the dualistic and the non-dualistic, whatever, um, is, I mean, I, he has five planets in Taurus, 
Mm. Which is all about just being and not doing. And I recognized very early on that my Venus and Aries, which is all about doing and actioning and then having this massive Dharma of the Leo rising of transformation and systemic change, um, that this is just a main difference between us. And we can't speak when we're so in our own filters. It's like, at some point, the conversation can't be had with words. Yeah. yeah. And the words themselves are dualistic. And so, um, like I get what he's saying and I get how that's his truth and that's what works for him. The problem is, when, you know, he, he assumes that others need to have that same truth. And um, yeah. That, that's, that brings like, interesting, um, like how do I weave this into the card analogy? Um, mm -hmm. That sense of, how do we hold each other's truths as, like with reverence, even when they're sometimes so in contrast to each other, sometimes like almost violently in opposition to each other? You know, that to me seems like raising the bar and one element of raising the bar of like, how do we be in connection, in some form of connection, in some form of collaboration even, ideally, even though sometimes our truths are so far apart from one another. Yeah, it's kind of a bigger a question. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm asking you the question. It's more just like I'm asking the big question of like universe, tell me the answer maybe in the next five years, 10 years, something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like my undoubted answer is astrology and it's just been such a, um, a massive force in my life and I know that I'm programmed to be filtered through it I have sun conjunct mercury and aquarius which is the sign of the astrologer so it's like it's easy for me to say that I don't think that it's everyone's system uh, and yet I know that through my professional practice and giving readings that people have <laughs> you know that it's been this massive shifting thing and the emphasis on this is you this is how you see the world this is how you are right? Coming from a stranger who they've never met before, like seeing them deeper than maybe anyone's ever seen them. Like there's a certain kind of um, uh, verification in that, but then also inviting them, reminding them, like people who have massive Capricorn in their charts or Capricorn Mercury, I always remind them, not everyone else values being on time as much as you are. It's actually not their role to be on time. Maybe they have Gemini and they're meant to be late to put a snag in the thing. Yeah. And it's like, seeing the world only through your filter and not being able to rise above it or, or have an overarching um, non-attached approach, like a spirit-based approach where a bird's eye view will give you um, more solace, I want to say, will give you more harmony in, in life because you'll just be when we run up against walls, it's often only our ego that's running up against walls. Spirit doesn't really run up against walls. Yeah, yeah we become too attached to our cards being the right cards. Being, yeah. being, or being the only cards, being the only cards in the game. Yeah, or the cards that, yeah, that need to be played or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so democratizing astrology is, is one of, my personal goals and I would say probably a part of the Institute for Aliveness as well and um, 
Daniel Giamario has done a great job in offloading um, to an app called The Pattern. Maybe you've heard of it. I've, I've yeah. had a glance at it, yeah. Yeah, and so that's like, it's such a fast way for everyone to come to a new place of self-knowing and also to plug in their friends' information and see what shows up about their friends. And the app and the way that it's written by Anya really breeds compassion. It breeds awareness of like, this person has a different experience of life than you. You know, that's also distinct from their traumas and their life experience. Um, it's just their, their inherent makeup. And that's magic when we can start to unbridle compassion. I feel the I feel the pain in the the places where I miss that, you know, and the the ruptures in missing that 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 can so easily happen in connection when we're not in that place of like we're different and I love you anyway, you know, like that when we're in the like no 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 my view on reality is correct and the other one's like what the fuck are you talking about my view on reality is correct and now we're just like that's it. We're gone. Like we're no longer in, we can't actually relate to each other anymore. So it's like, I feel like to me, it's like, this is so important. It's actually so important. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I love the intimacy of being able to have self knowing is the gateway to be able to know others. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a lot of like what we're teaching right now in this week and relationships week in the course and um, the, the quality of self-knowing will free you to then inquire into the other. But if you don't know yourself, then you're super lost and just like figuring that out. But it's like there's a, an attraction aversion force and those are the only choices you have to filter, to interact with the other. And so the relationship with the self is the, the first and most important relationship. Mm. Mm. It's like, the, it's the fundamental, you know, I sometimes think of it as I, I, you know, we need to have I, I solid before we can move and truly move into either our relationships, but we can't, if we, if we only stay at I, I, that that's a problem too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I noticed for myself, like, it's just having me remind, like, Sometimes I practice like what happens when I just soften, like I'm in this like tight, like this is my reality is right and I'm tight and it's like, oh, and then I'm like, just like get a moment. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Why am I like, what does it matter? What does it matter? And I just like let go and I'm like, I, like, I just want to hear you, you know, I let go of myself for a moment. And then there's the other part that comes in, but no, I need to be heard. It's like, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's also a very Gemini um, back and forth uh, an understanding of the storyteller and the, the value of story. I mean, for a very long time, humans have lost themselves in theater and production and show, um, and story, whether it's around a circle fire, whether it's the barge and, um, or movies today, right? Net binges whatever it is like we have such a desire to surrender to the human story being told through another and so when we start to see our life cosmically and we see everyone that's been put before us as um you know someone to play with or part of our own mythic hero's journey 
then we start to engage with life in a whole nother way. And that's when we're, you know, playing a two-sided game of tennis with the universe. Before we, like, I, I can feel that there's like a wrap up coming soon. Yet I also want to, before we do, it might, we might go on a little bit more of a tangent if you're okay for that. A little bit longer. Yeah, I want to like, I want to hear what is your vision of the future? You know, in our first conversation, you called yourself a futurist and I want to like, I want to kind of get a sense of what do you actually see? What is the standard that we're moving towards or that you see us moving towards? What does that look like? You know, cause I have my ideas on that and I want to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it might scare people. I'm sure it will. Let's, let's be tentative then. Let's go gently. <laughs> um, I mean, a large portion of the human population needs to die or die off. Um, we have overgrown. We're unsustainable. There is no way that we can continue with this many humans having ever-increasing needs. Um, and so like a good Gemini follow-up to that would be like, well, Andy, are you ready to volunteer? <laughs> and... uh, I'm, not, I'm not there. That's, that's, that, that did not occur for me at all. <laughs> but that was the other Geminis in the audience. Who've been yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, there will be a selection process and that selection process is emotional intelligence. That selection process is um, resilience that's collaboration mindfulness about our lifestyle applied epigenetics boosting our own immune system i'm building our social network yeah which would translate as collaboration um and i mean i say that all from you know a, a master's of science in anthropology understanding the way that human species throughout time have ebbed and flowed and died and um so coming into the future right um technology is going to be part of it there's no way that um like there's no switch that's going to be pulled or plugged it's going to be uh, extinguishing no way digital. we we will get more digital and i think the digital spaces will get more digital the analog spaces will get more analog and through mm -hmm. that wild be more wild or we'll live mm -hmm. in more of a duality the city spaces will be even more concrete with even artificial green coming that once we have a mixed reality uh interface once our screens leave screens and become holographic or become um like google glass you're well, then in brain implants yeah that's that's actually not practical at all and it's not i mean that's from okay. a medical and a futurist standpoint it's, it's a lot more hype than it is reality mm -hmm. um that in the nearer future that it will be more like screens that only you can see and I can't see. And we see it now with, with headphones that project sound, not through headphones, but through the, the actual um, bar of the glasses and no one else around you can hear it. And so you can think of it like precision medicine, right? It's a huge growing field. This quality of precision of um, like it's it's almost plays into the the natural human narcissism of this is my mind design and yet we could also see it in a spiritual way where it's like it's self-knowing it's archetypical it's i get what i need rather than one standard for everyone um so i think that spaces in the future will be 
much more customized like that. Um, way more dualistic in terms of city spaces and how we interact with technology, the conveniences in our life. Uh, obviously, the replacement of work will have a lot more leisure time. Um, and so humans will actually have to do more self-growth because once we're left with ourselves, we'll have to actually start to process some of the things that are coming up rather than throwing ourselves into work or Netflix or food binges. Um, and that uh, spending time in the wild will become a privilege as it is today with going on vacation certain places. Um, and that uh, we will really feel the distinction between and that that distinction between will actually enhance our appreciation for the natural world. It's like humans creep back into our little human nest rather than our sprawling um, cities, which it's been over the past hundred years of, of human development and uh, will be a course correction in that way. I just like, do you like i wasn't quite sure then whether you were pointing towards an increasing sense of independence and like kind of self space or whether whether you see see more of like a collaborative more of a collective space like yeah i think that, that that will be a marker of resilience that those who are collaborating and who have expanded their social risk networks will survive when crisis comes and those who have been um narcissistic personal branding my way or the highway this is our system whatever um that they will die off by sheer necessity even if they have a million followers yeah the world will begin to see authenticity because it will have gotten that inauthentic the world will begin to see authenticity yeah yeah and i mean we yeah i mean I'm not speaking from a Generation Z perspective, so I think I have to spend more time with Generation Z, which is like the teenagers today, the people who grew up and were born with a phone or tablet in their hand, um, because their brains are literally wired differently and they see reality differently. They're also that much more anxious. Um, so it's really up to the generation, the millennial generation, to be the bringers of change. Um, and yeah it's it's a lot of uh, it's a like the next two years are going to be massively revealing and you know when you're in the storm you don't necessarily remember what it's like not to have a storm and when you're in the storm um you know it's it's just all rain as it's raining now that's um so there's not it's you don't have like a perspective of like the sunny day or the um whatever kind of weather partly partly cloudy day uh, when it's like you're you're immersed in the rain and that's where we are right now as a human species we have very little purview um both for the past or the future so swept up by this crazy present um and a big part of my life and lifestyle is that i remove myself from the current mainstream reality whether it's politics or um news or a certain country like part of traveling the world full-time is that ability to stay resilient flexible agile in a reality that's not pinned to time or space um, yeah so that's that's kind of what i see coming um and then the question that's begged from that is where do you fit listener yeah. 
what are you intending for yourself in this life? Yeah, and realizing that, um, you know, something that's been, I like what you said, it's up to us, you know. I really feel that strongly as it's like actually the time for fucking around is over. It's like we actually have a choice, you know. I have a choice. Do I want to be part of um, what the human species is going to become or do I want to be part of the human species that's going to be going extinct? You know, where do I lie? You know, do I want to be part of human evolution or human extinction? Extinction, and my my actions and my choices and um, how I live my life is going to determine that um, all the way to the most granular details, really. You know, and and that's hard. It's hard. It's like a hard kind of thing to take on. You know, that to realize that actually all the little choices that I make about all the details from the food that I eat to the company that I keep to the, like you're saying, the things that I listen to, to the um, collaborations that I make to how I fill my, fill my space and my time um, is going to make a difference. You know, it's, it actually is going to make a difference. Uh, and well, hopefully you'll have lots of benchmarks along the way to reassure you that uh, the work you're doing is paying off. Yeah. 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 This is this is also the entry point into intelligence amplification and the technology that can make it a lot easier because I've been working with people for more than a decade using their mind as the technology and mindfulness as the utility to become that much more empowered or flow stage or um, driven towards resilience. Um, and when we have technology that will aggregate data in a closed data feedback loop based upon our own physiology, it will learn when we are at our best. It'll learn when we're at flow state and it will nudge us more and more towards doing those things and less and less or away from the other things. And it will automate our life in those areas. And so when we stop having... Um, AI as it is today, which is based upon millions, trillions of data points outside of you that have nothing really to do with you. And we stop advising based upon some kind of patterned social norm. And we start holding ourselves to higher standards and kind of closing the eyes and looking within. We start that introspective journey and using technology in that, then we'll get results. Um, and so that's, that's the edifice of technology that I'm helping to build and um, and I'm very much stimulated by and excited by as much as of a hippie naturalist right whatever I am it's like there's no going away from technology and technology actually can do magic for our species that's why we've invented it <laughs> I, I really love like I was getting I got a real strong hit this time of what you're talking about with intelligence amplification and I, I also love Artificial intelligence, AI, intelligence amplification, IA. I just kind of like get off on that a little bit. It's like, feels cheeky to me. Yeah, I mean, it's very much like I'm totally externalized. And this is my biggest criticism about the United States and why I haven't lived there for almost 15 years and why I really can't stand to spend so much time there is because existence is so hyper vigilantly externalized. Yes. Where people won't have much of any connection with an inner domain or responsibility for how they're showing up or why um 
of course the kind of byproduct of that is that like inauthenticity is very high emotional intelligence is, is quite low and of course it differs from space and there's always pockets of exceptions and yet at large humans in silicon valleys in the united states hollywood's in the united states so a lot of the blueprints for the rest of the world come from there are so heavily externalized that we don't have the capacity to self-reflect and to inspect and to say actually what's going on for me right now what's happening experience do i have control over how i'm feeling in this moment through feeling the pain or feeling whatever that's coming up and through taking my agency and my license to be an active participant in this tennis game with the universe that we call life and then allowing for whatever happens after that, um, which would probably be dharma. <laughs> I, and, and yeah, I love that. Like I, I really got that hit of artificial intelligence is this really strong externalized. It's almost like let's take intelligence and just give it to a machine and like let the machine do everything um, based on all these data points that have nothing to do with this. As you said, it's like it can it can corroborate data points of millions and trillions, you know, of people, billions of people, and then like kind of make some simulacrum of intelligence and then just take care of it and we can just become vegetables, basically. That's the trajectory, you know, that's the horror of the Matrix movie that demonstrates what happens when AI goes rampant. And then the flip of that um, intelligence amplification is actually bringing the intelligence back to us using the technology. So it's rather than using this externalizing process, it's like, how do we use technology that actually expands my my subjective experience my actual intelligence as a human by actually making it and you said this in this earlier conversation that we had like taking some of the burden off our frontal cortex of like having to manage life so intensely and and make all these decisions but actually start nudging us into the con the conditions that actually bring us into genius bring us into our personal genius so our essence this unique experience of ourselves based on you know our hand this particular unique hand that we have starts becoming amplified it starts being here more fully and then and then what you know and that's that's the beautiful question that i love is like and then what we don't know you know what what would that be like i don't know i have some like fun fun like fantasies about it but i have no real idea mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's very difficult to get a a version of a future possibility of humanity and to understand um what potential evolution could look like or to live um in an incubator or a, a place where a bubble where we would have that experience in the present day and um i have been very lucky and gifted in my life to you know i've been put in the right place at the right time to start to understand these messages and kind of put blocks in a row like my my place of incubation for my spiritual awakening in this lifetime 13 years ago was oroville it was the largest spiritual community in the world the biggest intentional community in eco village in the south of india and um sri aurobindo who's the indian sage um whose ideas really founded Oroville. Uh, he was already dead by the time that it was founded, but it was that this was a space for human unity. This was a, a collaboration, right? This is a space where all people from all walks of life and countries and parts of the earth would come together 
right? So collaboration in that sense and the diversity of the archetypes. And in this living laboratory that we will hold space for the coming down of the future evolution of man. And Sri Aurobindo's thesis was that man is a transitional being, that this is not the end of our evolution and that further evolution will not be physical, that it will be evolution of consciousness. Right. And so my 19 year old self heard that one in one year, went out the other. And I was like, wait a minute, what, you know, and when I landed there at 20 and then later turned 21 there and like in many ways came of age in, in this hope and possibility when I had come in as a hard headed intellectual looking for a new arrangement, a very kind of Noam Chomsky idea of what is a liberal society that's open and allowing, like, how can we do something other than capitalism? Um, and yet come with this understanding of, of human as heart rather than as human as mind mm -hmm. and um, yeah from that to Burning Man that is the place today the place the closest place that I found in traveling more than a hundred countries and there on the globe to start to see something that's exhibiting the future evolution of our species. And of course, the people who go to Burning Man leave Burning Man and they're probably very much in the present, they're not in the future anymore, but that stewarding of shared space or that collective reality where there's possibility for expression, there's possibility for evolution, there's massive amounts of inclusion and everyone being able to sit at the table and there's a huge space for play and complete disconnection from technology and, um, um, you know, a society that runs on gifting or paying it forward. And so it's only an abundance culture. There is no scarcity or lack. Like what happens when you put human lab rats in that kind of scenario? And it's, it's only beautiful. <laughs> it's only like beyond your wildest dreams. It's only like you have to be there to understand it because you cannot understand it from the filter of fear, lack scarcity, um, competition, however, like whatever word you want to insert. And so, yeah. I love that. Yeah, you'd love her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't made it there. And I don't know if I ever will sing some, I'm not sure I'm going to renew my passport, but sounds, sounds wonderful. <laughs> Maybe I will for an exception, we'll see. Um, yeah, seems like a, a beautiful place to kind of leave this with like a, a vision of what the future could be. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you, me, us, everyone listening to this and everyone else. Everyone, really everyone who, who, who wants to be part of it. It's like we actually have that choice, you know. We have the choice to we want to be part of that vision of the future or not, a, a vision of the future or not. Um, but we're actually If there are people that you'd like to see with you in the future, and I'm speaking to the listeners here, I would recommend that you send this to them and sit down after they've watched it and have a heart to heart of like, what are we doing in terms of the evolution of our species? What, where do we play? I want, I want you to be in this with me. How can we up-level yeah how can we up level together how can we hold each other to a higher standard with compassion you know yeah. thank you
and anyone is welcome to reach out to me if I've said anything grossly offensive or anything alluring. <laughs> I'm happy to quell your your worries or desires. Mm. I think that's very generous. I like that. And same, likewise, you can reach out to me if I've said anything offensive. Plenty of you have. Some of you have reached out the other way as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing the <laughs> Say that again. People doing the hard Gemini work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, thank you, thank you for doing the um the Leo work and giving us a giving me a, a really um really strong transmission of standard. Um, I really appreciate it. I feel it. Yeah. How is listening to that for you? If you learned from or moved by the episode, pay it forward. Go to Apple now and leave a five-star review so others can benefit. Join the Institute for Aliveness for a one-week transformational fasting experience. Consider getting an astrology reading from Andy or enroll in the one-year health coach certification course. Whatever you do, don't let this learning pass you by. Do something now to impact your lifestyle for good.